KTHK News. It's one o'clock on Ben Chai, the headlines. Pro-Beijing heavyweight Tam Yu Chong urges protesters to stop demonstrating and start talking. A China analyst says the SAR government's hands are tied when it comes to giving concessions on the extradition bill. And the U.S. issues a travel warning for citizens planning to visit Hong Kong. Hong Kong's sole member of the National People's Congress Standing Committee, Tam Yu Chong, has called on anti-extradition protesters to halt the demonstrations and communicate with the government instead. Mr. Tam says violent protests are not the solution and no one will benefit if the crisis continues. When there is calm, Mr. Tam says many things can be discussed. Meanwhile, pro-Beijing lawmaker Yip Kwok Him said someone else must be orchestrating the protests, as young people here are not smart enough to think up some of the tactics themselves. China analyst Mark O'Neill says the message from a meeting between central government officials and Hong Kong's leading pro-Beijing figures shows that the SAR government is not in a position to make concessions to anti-extradition protesters. He said comments by the head of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, Zhang Xiaoming, ruling out meeting any of the protesters' five demands, demonstrate who is setting policy. We've often been wondering over the last two months the reasons for Carrie Lam's silence. And now we know, because Zhang Xiaoming uh, laid it out, he said none of the five uh, demands would be accepted. So uh, obviously she had been ordered by Beijing to take this stance, and therefore she, there was nothing she could say. She couldn't make a concession. And however much the protest got bigger or more violent, there was nothing she could say. So I think, for me, that's the biggest revelation, that uh, you know, policy on this now is being completely set by Beijing. And Mr. O'Neill said Beijing's concerns about stability in Hong Kong are now a bigger priority than easing the concerns of Taiwanese voters ahead of January's presidential election. He said this helped explain why Beijing was instead putting pressure on electors to reject President Chai Ing-wen. Yesterday, it said mainland filmmakers were to be banned from Taipei's Golden Horse Awards. And this is all part of their effort to warn the Taiwan electors that if you choose Tsai Ing-wen for another four years, relations with, Thai, uh, with the man will, will deteriorate further, um, uh, trade will be affected, exchanges will be affected, culture will be affected, and you'll pay a heavy price. They very much want to persuade the electors to choose either Han Guo-yu, the Kuomintang candidate, or yesterday we learned that um, uh, the mayor of Taipei, Ko wen he set up a new party. He hasn't said he'd stand for president, but he might. The United States has issued a travel advisory for Hong Kong, warning its citizens to exercise increased caution here due to civil unrest. It warned that protests had spilled over into different neighborhoods and that while most were peaceful, some had become confrontational. It said protests could take place with little or no notice and that they were likely to continue. Tourists at the Avenue of Stars in Chimsachoy this morning, however, didn't seem too concerned. This woman was visiting from Slovenia. We are not worried at all. Uh, just that evening that it was more um, of the protest that we stayed in. But otherwise, during the days, it's nice. <laughs> so we feel safe. Very safe, yeah. This American was concerned about his travel plans. And I am nervous about some of the protests around the airport and around the transport um, because sometimes that makes it harder for us to get about and, you know, even flight schedule and stuff like that. Um, so I'm not terribly worried about physical safety, but 
the ease of access of getting around is something that's I'm a little bit concerned about, but have not been affected by yet. If you're a tourist walking around and see bricks being thrown, you just go the other direction. Um, protest tourism is not the wisest course of action, but obviously, if uh, I don't know if bricks are being thrown, I think you, if you have enough common sense to turn around, you should be fine. Most of the protest has been directed towards the, the government and not tourists on the street. Um, so once again, I think it's a matter of common sense. If you look around and you see the situations getting uh, tense, you just leave and keep moving, you should be fine. A group of about 50 pro-Beijing demonstrators have protested in Choi after the national flag was twice thrown into the sea there. They say they went there on their own initiative to defend the dignity of the country which the flag represents. The group chanted slogans saying that Hong Kongers are all Chinese and everyone should be patriotic. One of the demonstrators called a journalist a traitor when she was asked for her views on the insulting of the flag. But a spokesman for the group who declined to give a full name sidestepped questions about the incident. Incoming students at the Education University will take part in shorter orientation camps so they can take part in anti-extradition protests. The camps are intended to get students used to campus life. Student-led committees at the university's various dorms have decided to follow other institutions in amending orientation arrangements. Hugo Jie is president of the committee at Robert Black Hall. We changed our old camp from three days to two days because the Civil Human Rights Front is planning to have a protest on 31st August. So we would like to shorten the period of the orientation camp to make sure our students have the opportunities to choose whether to join or not. A trade body representing U.S. technology firms has warned of the harmful impact of the next round of tariffs which Washington is due to impose on Chinese goods. The Consumer Technology Association says if an additional 10% charge is levied next month as planned, U.S. importers would have to pay new fees of more than a billion U.S. dollars. Tiffany Moore is the senior vice president of the organization. I think it's important to understand that tariffs are paid by U.S. companies and U.S. consumers. And so when our companies import either parts, manufactured parts, or finished goods, they pay that tariff at the border when those items are imported into the United States. Those tariffs are paid by U.S. companies and ultimately U.S. consumers. Japan has approved the export of high-tech material to South Korea for the first time since imposing tighter trade restrictions last month in a bitter dispute. A government spokesman said that the export request had been strictly examined and didn't constitute a national security concern. The material involved is a crucial component for Korean technological industries. Pakistan is expelling India's envoy and suspending trade with Delhi after its decision to strip Indian-administered Kashmir of its special status. The government said it had told India it would not be sending its new high commissioner to Delhi. The BBC's Paul Adams reports. Pakistan is making its sense of outrage abundantly clear. A resolution passed by a joint session of parliament condemned what it called India's illegal, unilateral, reckless and coercive action. There was much defiance, one government minister, Fawad Chowdhury, saying Pakistan could not live with what he called this humiliation. We fought for Kashmir before, he said, and we will fight for Kashmir again. But the government's actions so far has been rather more measured. India has been told that its high commissioner in Pakistan is no longer welcome. And Pakistan's high commissioner to India, only recently appointed, will not now take up his post. 
The U.S. President Donald Trump has met emergency workers and survivors of Saturday's mass shooting in the Texan city of El Paso, an apparent hate crime that sparked a row about his use of anti-immigrant rhetoric. Twenty-two people were killed by a gunman who targeted Hispanic people. Protesters who gathered in the city and leading Democrats say Mr. Trump's words have fueled violence and racism. The president praised the emergency services. We met with numerous people. We met with also the doctors, the nurses, uh, the medical staff. They have done an incredible job. Both places, just incredible. And the, the enthusiasm, the love, the respect, and also the telling me, let's see if we can get something done. And Republicans want to do it and Democrats want to do it. Mr. Trump had earlier traveled to Texas from Dayton, Ohio, where he met medical staff and survivors of another shooting in which nine people died. Police in Canada say they've found what are believed to be the bodies of two teenagers who were suspected of murdering three people. Cam McLeod and Briar Shemogelsky were accused of killing an American woman, her Australian boyfriend and a Canadian man in the province of British Columbia. CBC correspondent Megan Batchelor says the police have had to answer questions over the time it took to find the pair, who had evaded capture for nearly three weeks. They managed to get from northern BC to northern Manitoba in just a matter of days, and the RCMP compared that journey as one from London to Moscow. So just a sense of how wide an area these two traveled in. The area that they did run from the police from was very remote. They stuck to the northern part of Canada that's really not populated. So they don't have people seeing them. They don't have those areas that are populated by police that could perhaps spot them as well. And these two didn't want to be found. Supporters of the former leader of Kyrgyzstan, Almazbek Atambayev, have fought off an attempt to arrest him to face corruption allegations. With this report, the BBC's Grant Ferret. The attempt by the Kyrgyz authorities to detain the former president has so far been a spectacular failure. Not only is Mr. Atambayev still at liberty, but one Special Forces soldier is dead and six of his colleagues are being held by the ex-president's followers. They've demanded that power, phone and internet links to the former leader's home be restored. Kyrgyzstan's deputy interior minister went to the scene after disturbances continued into the night. The former president has defied official demands to face questioning by investigators since he was stripped of immunity in June. Scientists have produced a vodka made with grain grown inside the Chernobyl exclusion zone in Ukraine, the scene of the world's worst nuclear accident. The spirit, named Atomic, is the first to be produced within the abandoned area around the damaged nuclear power plant. The resulting distilled spirit is free from contamination. Professor Jim Smith helped to create the drink. The radioactivity wasn't the big problem. In the Chernobyl-affected areas, there are some hot spots, but in most of those areas, the big problem for people is that they just don't have the, the proper diet, they don't have the good health services, they don't have jobs, they don't have investment. And so we came up with this idea to try and start a business, hopefully make a profit, which we can then distribute the majority of the profits to the, to the local people. In finance, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 26,161. That's 164 points up from the previous close. And in currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 106.16 yen. The euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 12 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 54 cents. And now it's time for the sports with Joanne Wong.
In football, English Premier League teams have less than 12 hours left to complete new signings ahead of the start of the new season. Let's take a look at some of the latest big money moves before the transfer window slams shut. Manchester City have completed the signing of Portugal right back Joao Cancelo from Juventus for 60 million pounds, and City fullback Danilo moved in the opposite direction for a fee of just over 34 million. Manchester United have confirmed that they've ended talks over the potential transfer of Tottenham midfielder Christian Eriksen. The Danish and National has just a year left on his contract and has indicated that he's looking for new challenge. The BBC's Sean Bennett has been looking at the other transfer stories involving Premier League players. Inter Milan are close to signing the Manchester United striker Romelu Lukaku after submitting an improved bid in July. United rejected Inter's 54 million pounds bid for Lukaku. It was fined by the club this week. After missing training without permission, that was on Tuesday. Tottenham have reached a club-to-club agreement with Real Betis to sign the midfielder Giovanni Loscelso. They hope to complete the deal before the deadline in 24 hours' time. Everton have had a bid for the Arsenal and Nigeria winger Alex Iwobi rejected, and Watford have signed the out-of-contract England striker Danny Welbeck. He was at Arsenal last season, of course. In African football, Esperance have been officially crowned as the 2019 Champions League winners more than two months after they lifted the trophy. This follows a long-running dispute over the result of the final. It was awarded first to Esperance, then a replay was ordered, but that decision was taken to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Cas referred it back to Africa Football's governing body, which is now found in favor of Esperance. A North African football journalist, Mohim Mozir Asahi, thinks the dispute has overshadowed Africa's showpiece club competition. It reflects very, very poorly on African football in general, and especially the Confederation of Africa of African football.、Uh, it's really actually caused a, a deep split in the politics of African football. You have now、uh, an artificial line between、uh, the, the Egyptians and the Tunisians, who had for a long time、uh, really held power within CAF, and now you have a, sort of a new power with the many people accused the the Moroccans of funding. The, the new CAF president、uh, Ahmed Ahmed. These are all allegations, of course. But there's been very deep divides because of this decision, to this never-ending decision to keep either replaying or declaring a, a champion of the CAF Champions League final. It's just been so bad for African football.、It、doesn't reflect well on us at all on an international level. Tennis. Japan's Naomi Osaka has ensured Australian Ashley Barty will be dethroned this week as world number one by advancing to the third round of the WTA Toronto tournament. The reigning U.S. and Australian Open champion won after taking the first set 6-2 when Germany's Tatiana Maria retired with a left abdominal injury. However, third-ranked Karolina Pliskova of the Czech Republic could also overtake Barty, the French Open champion who lost in Toronto on. Tuesday, the 27-year-old Czech must reach the semifinals to have any chance of becoming world number one. But if Osaka makes the last eight, Pliskova will have to reach the final to have a hope of topping the rankings next week. And that's your look at sport. And that's the news from RTHK. Through my keys to the valley. 
was only that a hang wasn't looking for a thing. I was just about to bounce. And then I saw Miss Lady. Then I said to myself. So amazing, and I said to myself. 